you'll, you'll never be the same after you realize this one principle, that people that have created and developed products and other things out there that you really like, that they're no smarter than you and I. Welcome to Beyond the Rig. Real, authentic, and driver-focused. All things trucking. This is Beyond the Rig. Here are your hosts, Linda Dominey and Will Phipps. Well, Will. Well, welcome back for another week. I know. They haven't, they haven't shut us down. We're still airing, so that's a good thing. <laughs> that's a good I thing. haven't pulled the plug yet. So I'm terrified to ask, but I'm going to ask anyways. Anything crazy happened to you? Oh, you story-wise? Yeah. No, it just kind of one cool, crazy thing. Okay. So it has to do with a walk again. Always. As I'm walking along, I see a shadow of a really big bird. And where I live at is in the desert, as I've shared with other people. And I see the shadow, and I look up, and it looks like a hawk hmm. or something. It has a really big snake. And I hate snakes. And all I was thinking, it looked like this bird barely had a hold of it with its talons, feet, whatever they're called. And yeah. I thought that it was going to drop on me. So that was about my excitement. Well, I've it. never seen a bird carrying a snake. No, if you ever see me not here, you know that I've had a heart attack and died. And I'm somewhere off in the white tank area. So come looking for me. So you like to you would like to noodle or you have noodled but you're afraid of snakes i only noodled because it was something manly to do growing up as a teenager in tennessee but now after watching river monsters i only get in a shower a swimming pool that's it scared to death of the water you're scared of the yeah so, so no more noodle for i you. have released like things in public <laughs> ponds that i no longer wanted as pets so if I do that, imagine how many other people. Oh, that's a true statement. Amen to that. Yeah. So, okay, I'm yeah. with you. A little freaky. All right. Yeah. So you ready? I am. <laughs> I don't know if I am. You ready? <laughs> so I'm super excited about our guest today. But hang on. Didn't you have a question for me first? A question? Yeah, that you were asking me about. Oh, our guest? Yeah. Yeah, so kind of like where I was referring to my wife, every time I start saying something kind of stupid or getting off track, uh, does this guest have a certain look like he rolls his eyes, he looks to the ground, he'll twitch his ear, because most people have like these <laughs> twitches where they'll rub their nose. Is there something I should look for? If you for? see him rub your nose, you're done. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, he's probably one of the most relaxed and easygoing guys um so you're in luck you're in luck he, he doesn't have I at least i've never seen that look and lord knows i put him through a lot um i've said a lot of things <laughs> and you're him. still here also. and i'm still here he, like he didn't even fire me i've definitely said a lot of things that probably maybe i shouldn't have but i did well let's hope this episode isn't the one that pushes <laughs> both over, over the, edge. the edge. So I think if I can get away with it, you can get away with it. Well let's just hope next next uh week we don't have two new guests on Beyond the Rig podcast. <laughs> All right. So go ahead. Well, uh, I'd like to welcome the president and CEO of Knight Swift, uh Dave Jackson. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Appreciate being here. Yay. Yeah. Um before we um, say hello to you. We okay. do have a surprise. Oh, wow. A special treat. A special treat. Okay. Oh, nice. Oh, 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 oh,
Oh boy, easy then. Yes, we're sorry, public. We're sh we're not stripping for yes. you all. <laughs> Look at that. How can we not? Right there, hit me, hit me, dab me up on this. Oh, and those are great shirts. Look at that. How about that? And just oh. so you don't feel oh, left wow. out, sir. Wow. I I probably won't put it on right now in front of everybody, but. <laughs> Oh, no, we, we kind of expected. For, I mean, we put ours on. Jo yeah, nice. <laughs> Joshua Tree Tour 1987. I mean, seriously, the Joshua Tree album by U2, I would say is the greatest album ever created. I don't mean to be controversial, but but that's how that is. So thank you for making me feel welcome and at home. Nothing does that like U2. So thank yep. you. I just appreciate that we finally got to... Take the jacket off, because I'm not lying. I was burning up. <laughs> that is very thoughtful and uh, very kind of you to do that. So, awesome. Thank you. I can't wait. I can't wait to sport this. This is way cool. My kids are going to try and take it, though. This are they, is like are they as big a YouTube fam as you? I think it's, it's uh, no, they're not. I don't, it would be hard for many people to be as big a YouTube fan <laughs> as I am. But, but I think what I've learned is, is like, Things that were hip in the 1980s are what my kids like to wear today. So <laughs> I saw my my daughter was wearing a Prince Purple Rain shirt. That's a cool shirt. Oh, wow. And I said, I said, wow, I had no idea you liked Prince. She's like, who's she, that? Yeah, she had no idea. And I said, your shirt. She goes, oh, yeah, I don't even know who this is. And so uh, I have a daughter. <laughs> I have a daughter who was wearing a Def Leppard shirt, my daughter in college. Cool. And I'm like, pour some sugar on me. Isn't I that know. like one of the greatest anthems ever? She's like, what are you talking about, Dad? Like, <laughs> Def Leppard. And again, I don't think she knew how to pronounce the sure. name. It was on the concert <laughs> team. So I don't, that's why they would, that's why they would wear it. And so. Would there have been a cooler t-shirt you would have wanted? Uh, we had some debate about this whole U2 shirt. Uh, we were on the fence about even wearing them. Maybe just an In-N-Out Burger shirt, but no, just oh. joking. <laughs> Inside joke. So, uh, no, hey, you too. That's 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 the real deal. So, no, I appreciate that. I am laughing that they're wearing these shirts and not knowing who they are. Oh, that's, that's just how it. That's just how it is. I feel yeah. completely like a fish out of water wearing it. Yeah, yeah. It's um, the uh, the thing is, is I don't miss a live YouTube concert tour i've been to every tour since 1992 i wish i could go back i wish i would have been at at uh at rattle and hum at asu stadium in the 80s but uh i was not old enough for my parents to let me go by myself i was so under the impression you did attend that i did not i i first one i went to was 1992 asu activity center the octune baby tour it was outstanding and so um so i go and I always wear a concert tee. And so they're getting a little wore out, you know, because I've got like three that I keep wearing. And so <laughs> now I've got a new one for the mix the next time I go. So thank you very much. And you do have to get a photo. It's like one of those gifts where you give someone and they tuck okay. it away in their closet or you re-gift it. You can't re-gift it. Work, oh, I'll he's work. not going to re-gift you. I'll work on it because the last concert tee I wore, I think, maybe was dried on high heat or something. And somehow... It went from fitting me to like now it's a youth schmedium. <laughs> and when I put it on I look like I look like fifteen pounds in a ten pound bag. So this this ought to help me be able to breathe. Oh, Thank awesome. you guys. Appreciate it. You're, You're welcome. welcome. Thank you. You're welcome. So if you uh, hadn't realized this is Dave Jackson, uh, the president and CEO of Knight Swift Transportation. Right? 
absolutely. You say that with a question mark. I think that's true. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he absolutely thanks is for, president. So, thanks for so having me. So I'm going to tell you some fun things about old Jackson. And do people do people know you were you were my assistant for a period of time? No, they. I. Well, you know what? I think well in my bio, I think they they know that that I did yeah. work um, with Dave for the one that just came out. It, how long was it with you? About a year. Uh, felt like five, but I don't think it was quite that long. He, was, uh, he no. had a calendar, Linda, like an advent calendar. <laughs> Linda was at... <laughs> when's she leaving? When's she I, leaving? I will tell you, Linda was an outstanding <laughs> assistant, and we worked we worked together on recognition programs that were, I, I believe, were long overdue. And uh, uh, in many cases, I think we find ourselves in the industry where uh, where someone comes in as a driving associate does a flawless, phenomenal job driving millions of miles safely, and yet to the outside world, they don't appreciate what that means. And internally, I don't know that we could even adequately recognize the accomplishment of millions of safe miles. But but the problem is, to the outside world, oh, so what do you do? I'm a driver. How long have you been there? 20 years. What have you done? You know, what did you used to do? Well, I've been a driver the whole time. And so um, we have looked for ways... To, to build status and recognition and reward all along the way. And so so Linda and I, that was that was the big project we worked on for at least a year and a half. And it I would say that that had <coughs> 50% of my time. And so with her as my assistant helping me navigate 100% of my responsibilities, uh, by the time uh, those projects were finalized and ready to be launched and pushed out, we needed a leader, and we needed a leader that had a vision for it that could take it to a new level and help help all of our people capture the vision of that. And so sure enough, she was by far the best, most qualified person to do that. And so uh, so I lost a great assistant as a result of that. But, uh, but she went on to and continues to uh, do a phenomenal job there. So, Well, thank you, Now, Dave. what were you going to say mean about <laughs> me? I forgot. <laughs> How much did that cost you? To, were you over there zelling, Dave? To How say, am oh, I supposed no. to even go from that? No, like, no fire, bombs away. Head, head, <laughs> yeah. well, fire away. That's so wrong. Okay, so. Don't say anything negative. I he just know. built you up. Um, so we know you love jokes. The yep. famous dad joke um, that I can think of. Yeah? Oh, no. Uh, Which one's when that? I think of when I think of Dave and they say, "Yeah, Dave," and he told a joke. You know what? The first joke that comes to mind. I have a guess what that would be, but I'm not sure. <laughs> it has soup? to do with beans. Yeah. Oh, that is the funniest joke. There's not a more funny joke in the world. Than so the, you got to share with our audience because really I know the joke. Absolutely, you, you have really to share. Want, it. You yes. want to go there? I do. Yeah. People, people may not take me seriously. Um, <laughs> So, uh, okay, let's start off. This is what we want everyone to see. The okay. president and CEO telling a dad joke on. This isn't you know. even a, I've got some good dad jokes, but those are, <laughs> and, and I do it, and my whole, I, we have five children, and my whole goal is to try and get a smile out of one of my kids or my wife, and they, uh, they, they go out of their way <laughs> to not encourage me, right? <laughs> like I once... Heard a conductor of a symphony, and he said, he was talking about all the different elements of the symphony, and he says, oh, the trombones? I can't even look in their direction. It only encourages them. <laughs> and so that's kind of how it is for my family. I'm the trombones. And so if they even snicker, they know 
that there's more another nothing. dad joke because I take that as, oh, we want more. <laughs> what else you got in the chamber, right? Like, uh, like I gave away all my dead batteries, free of charge. <laughs> okay, so, <clears throat> so here's where I'm going with this: Irish bean soup. Oh. How many beans? Will you have you heard this? You have, haven't you? I haven't heard the whole thing. I haven't heard the whole thing. Okay, so don't don't steal my punchline. Maybe. Okay. I'm not saying nothing. How many beans are there in Irish bean soup? How many? Two hundred and thirty-nine. Otherwise, it would be too farty. <laughs> <laughs> somewhere, somewhere on the road is somebody driving that knew the answer and was screaming, "Too farty! Too farty!" <laughs> And for everybody else who just heard that for the first time, you may be like me and you're haunted. And later this evening, the phrase too farty will come to your mind and you'll just laugh for no reason. And then you'll try and remember to tell the joke and it may not come out quite as smooth. It'll be butchered up. So it was for me. It took a while. Some other dad's going to be telling that joke. I just want you to know every time they say, oh, yeah, I was in there. And then Dave told a joke. I was like, oh, God, is it the Irish bean? Tell me, is it the Irish bean? (laughs) That's so you funny. don't have a joke? I don't have a joke. I'm I'm not a dad. None? No. Yeah. And you had to have heard something. Oh, I've heard lots. I, it's funny because I we call that dad humor. I think it's just good dry humor. And think uh, so? it is. Yeah. And it's hard to remember those jokes. Someday it, like I'm I want is. I want to have a dad joke for every letter of the alphabet. <laughs> like so oh. you can just I think it would be good for your mind just to be ready like, like a Rolodex like, of dad jokes yeah like the letter D think dog so you'd say uh, my wife my wife asked me if I'd seen the dog bowl and I said I had absolutely no idea he could do that <laughs> right or or maybe E so if you go letter E it, you say what does ET stand for well, I'm assuming it's not extraterrestrial, so what is it? I just botched that joke. <laughs> the, the, that was bad. Yeah, that, see, that was bad. What, that's why I, I don't do this for a living. <laughs> um, it's, what is E.T. short for? Is it extraterrestrial? Because he has little legs. Oh, <laughs> All right, I'm gonna. We're gonna officially stop my com- <laughs> my oh, comedic career stops uh, right there. So, well, but but uh, but it's it's fun to try and make my kids laugh. That's the that's what this is all about. I so. try the corny dad jokes with my family. All my kids just shake my head. They don't like it. They shake my head. They shake their yeah, head. They try to against the back seat of their truck <laughs> while I'm driving. But yeah, so what university did the skunk attend? Don't know. P-U. Oh, wow. You dug deep for that one. Oh, bring that one out of the old. P-U. Yeah. Or what did the father buffalo say to his son as he dropped him off to school? Bye, son. Bye, I'm son. sorry. I shouldn't guess. Uh, that's Absolutely. That's there's an unwritten rule about And even if you guess the answer, you shouldn't say it. Sorry. I tried stumping him, and he could, I could you not. You knew it. Yeah. Would that constitute as B? I guess batteries would be B. Or the final one, Dave, if you get this one, I'm just... Laying down the gauntlet here for you, and you you win. What do you call a bear with no teeth? A gummy bear. 
<laughs> By the way, I do like gummy bears. <laughs> that's a good one. That's well, just to put a fork in it. Uh oh. Right here we go. <laughs> you know, I can't remember half the dad jokes that I ever hear. My wife calls really me I'm at the grocery store and she says, "Can you put ketchup on the shopping list?" And then I call her back five minutes later. I'm like, "Now I can't see anything on this list." <laughs> That's a horrible joke. Okay. <laughs> Can we talk trucking at all? Um, well, first, we got to get through um, your bio because oh. we only made it through okay. Um, okay. the jokes. So we know that you're a serial music. Yeah, I was like, what, serial what? Playlist creator. Yeah, I, <laughs> I had to it. do that to give a little drama. That awkward pause. Yeah. People are like, what is, we know something about Dave we should know? I had to give it a little drama. <laughs> So the question is, since you love playlists so much, would you be willing to create one and share one with our, with our audience? I would. I would love to. I'm not sure people would love music as much as I do, but uh, the great thing about playlists is those of us that grew up making mixed tapes. There was a lot of work that went into getting the timing right, and it is so easy to create a playlist. And so. God, those were the days. Remember when Wait you... Wait until your favorite song came on the radio, radio, then you would have to hit record. <laughs> oh, you were, you were in love with a girl, and you wanted to give her a cassette tape, and you thought long and hard. And you're All these love songs. Pl- you're playing the CD to get it recorded on the cassette, and it was, <laughs> oh, it was quite the process. It was, it was like it meant, the, the tape meant more, because you knew that there was hours of, of work to get it done right. I mean, it meant something more than just maybe a playlist, but... But no, I'd be I'd be happy to. I got to think through. Uh, um, I would combine a few playlists. Like one of my my kids, they 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 complain about the music, but like I have a Saturday morning playlist <laughs> that we play throughout the whole house <coughs> for doing chores. For doing chores, and it just keeps 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 us moving. You Is know? it Barney cleanup cleanup? No, everybody do their no. share. <laughs> it's like you got Chicago Saturday in the park. Like that's. That's a, there's some great, just all kinds of music, right? And I try and throw some from my cool dad playlist so that they know I'm somewhat, you know, I'm somewhat in touch with, with what's, uh, with what the youngsters like these days. And then, uh, <laughs> so what is, what is one of the songs on your cool list that you listen to right on now that cool, you want to connect a, with on the a younger. cool dad playlist, uh, fancy by Iggy Azalea. Oh. That's always a go-to. I mean, you can't, I have a playlist called. The head nod playlist because it is absolutely physically impossible for you to listen to every song on that list and not start to move. Get into know, the rhythm. Get into it a little bit. And then, <laughs> the head nod. But then I would tell you though, my this 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 tells you kind of how old I guess I'm getting is my favorite playlist right now, and it always changes, is my uh, couple skate only playlist. So these are songs oh. uh, these are songs you would hear in the eighties at a roller rink for a couple skate only song. And there is my blood pressure will drop 10 points just listening to that, to that music. Gosh, so. I remember that. I mean, those were the days. Yeah. 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 You know like, what I thought of when he's, he's talking about doing the head nod? Heavy night metal? At the, no, night at the Roxbury. I could. Yeah, no. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's not the head nod we go for. <laughs> but, yep. That's awesome. So, um, and DIY projects, I know you're famous for that. I'm famous for starting them. Yep. I'm nobody <laughs> starts more than I do. And occasionally <laughs> I finish them, but not, not very often, but no, that's yeah. Yeah. See, I, I learned, learned that the other day. You're pretty crafty. I don't know if I'm overly crafty. I think I, I have a, I just, I just feel like being creative is like one of the great privileges of life. The ability to try and envision something that doesn't exist today. And then 
and then bring it to pass. And so, um, Dave, I look for that. The entry that you created with the tile and the drain in the center so that when the rain falls in there, um, as you're going into your house with the swing, like, that was awesome. Oh, well. You completed it, right? <laughs> we did. And then for some reason, we sold that house. <laughs> I moved to another house and had to <coughs> go create. My wife thought that the reason, we moved two blocks, create a lot of brain damage for ourselves. Uh, and uh, But uh, my wife was convinced it was because I just needed more blank Canvas? Blank canvas to, to go re-landscape again. And I think she's kind of right. I think there's just, there's something that you enjoy in doing that. So so you get it all perfect, then you sell it, move move into another yeah, one? Yeah, we're done. We're, that's exactly what we've said is we do, <laughs> we, we put our heart and soul and the kids help me. We design and landscape a backyard and it's for another family to enjoy. You know, that's actually kind of cool though to, for the kids, right? For them to experience that, that one when they go to buy their own house, they at least have a Someday little... they'll feel that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure right now they don't. But it, but I mean, in reality, it is, it, is kind of cool. It rubs off. Just like just like my kids who have complained about, oh, I'm always playing Name That Tune in the car. We're always playing music <laughs> in the house. I was with my daughter who's about to graduate, our second oldest, about to graduate from high school. And she was driving. We were in her car, and she had aux, as they call it. Her phone was plugged in. It was her music. And it was like my music. These were like 80s, 90s songs. And I'm like, this is a, what station is this? Like, what are you listening to? And she goes, oh, this is my playlist. I've never had a more proud moment as a father. And <laughs> I realized that, that she's been paying attention and, and she's listening to the Eagles when she doesn't have to, because, you know, she, when I control the radio, it's a little different. And right. so, <laughs> so they're always paying attention. And so you just, you just never know. But anyway. That's awesome. That's well, awesome. I was curious, you, when you sold the house, didn't you have a desert tortoise? Did you take it with you, or did it stay with the house? That, no, that was, the, that was the house before. Oh, the house before. I have a 100-pound giant tortoise and, uh, named George. And, uh, and George had a beautiful habitat. He stayed with the house. And some friends of ours that bought the house, they just sold it again. <gasps> and they sold George with the house. They're moving to Tennessee <laughs> And the people wanted included in the contract. We want George. They wanted they wanted George. So George continues to do well. Uh, it's this might surprise you, but tortoises aren't the most interactive animals. <laughs> so I don't think George cares. <laughs> oh. I mean, he gets to stay in his home. He doesn't know any difference. He could care less. Just throw him a carrot. <laughs> the good thing was they moved to Tennessee. You notice that? Uh, Tennessee, yeah. Texas. Yep. Just don't know. No state sales tax. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, both states are the same way, right? What's that? Both states. Well, not sales tax. We don't we have sales tax. In we were Texas. just talking about the cool ones. Income tax. State, yeah. It's, yeah. It's income. state income tax. They don't have income tax there. That's what it is. So. All right. So okay. let's talk about... Um, Let's talk about your early leaders. Give us a little information. Tell us where are you from? What are you? Okay, we'll try to do this quick because I can't imagine people are terribly interested. But I'm a native Phoenician, uh, born and raised, went to Arizona State University. Most people aren't from Arizona. When you talk to people in Arizona, it's like they're, this is like a transplant. It reminds me of Florida. Everyone's from somewhere else. Yeah, Yeah. a lot of people, a lot of people from the Midwest. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, But no, born and raised, uh, and my parents, really the same for them as well. And so... Uh, deep roots here in Phoenix. After high school, I did spend a couple of years in Argentina uh, before uh, coming back. 
uh, and finishing college. And so uh, I've got a great, wonderful wife and uh, five kids, as I've mentioned. Um, and I started out of college here at night. I went and interviewed with the CFO, got a job. I was the purchasing manager, and um, which meant uh, I didn't get to buy trucks. I didn't buy fuel. I didn't buy anything of any consequence. But I bought uh, office supplies. I made sure the bathrooms had plenty of soap and toilet paper. Uh, <laughs> you know, the real important stuff. <laughs> And uh, I had an, had an experience once where I ran into Kevin Knight uh, standing in the bathroom, and he, he told me, he says, gosh, you know, this industry is very competitive, and we have to have the lowest cost per mile. And, and he said, cost is so critical given the competitiveness of the industry. And so he gave me this huge pep talk about doing everything I possibly could to be on top of our costs so we could maximize our efficiencies. And so uh, that was an unbelievable experience. I remember that I came back and just looked for any and every way we could become a little bit more efficient, have a little less waste. And so um, I did that, and then that grew into some other opportunities and owner-operators, and then I became uh, somewhere along the way. I had a finance degree. Somewhere along the way, Kevin asked if I had much accounting, and I said, yeah, some, but probably not enough. And then I, and on his uh, encouragement that I would to get more accounting, I went back to basically graduate school, and uh, did a year and a half while I was working full time. Year and a half of, of uh, work to get enough credits to be able to sit for the CPA exam. So, and then in two thousand and four, long time ago, I was twenty eight years old. I became the CFO of the company, and then uh, it just kind of grown from there. Didn't you have other dreams before you got into trucking? Share with the people, what did you really want to do before you got so, in? So, yeah, be, before I went to Argentina, I was convinced I, was, I wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon. And I would go to the hospital. I was part of a group. We would tour. We would have exposure with doctors. And I was trying to do everything I could to prepare in high school for a college career. And then it just changed. It changed while I was uh, doing service in Argentina and I, and I just decided I wasn't ready to put everything in life on hold that long, and I wanted to go put my heart and soul into business and make a difference. And, uh, and I think being down, down in South America, I just recognized, recognized what a positive influence business can be for, for economies, for families, for individuals. And... Uh, and so, so I decided I wanted to do that. And then so in college, I going the finance angle, I thought, well, maybe I'll become an investment banker. And and I knew, uh, I, I I knew my dad knew Keith Knight, who had li- was living in California at the time, who was one of the four founders. And so I kind of had this connection. I felt a little bit. So I would do a lot of my finance projects on night transportation and and on swift transportation. Oh. And so oddly enough, I still have to this day. Uh, a report I did doing comparisons of Knight and Swift uh, in 2000, 99 and 2000. And uh, it's funny to look back and see what the revenues were then for both businesses. And so today to to be just uh, in a small way involved with everything both those companies do is uh, is kind of exciting. So um, That's so cool. So I'd say, though, after about a year and a half in, I made this personal commitment where I, I said, okay, I'm not going to go – follow up the professors told me, which was 
constantly be oxygen your, oxygening yourself off to the highest bidder. I said, I am going to put my heart and soul into learning everything I can about this business, regardless of whether or not it has anything to do with the job title I have today. I'll be valuable to this company if I can understand every area and I can just take this curiosity and be intentional about it and learn as much as I can. And so I began to get my hands on industry-related articles, anything analysts would publish about our company, I would try and get my hands on. And, and it just, I just came deeper and deeper in love with the, with the challenge and concept of, of uh, transportation, truckload transportation, and particularly the mission and purpose of our company. And, uh, and it is, it's just been absolutely fulfilling and satisfying uh, to be, to be involved. Work is never done, can never do good enough uh, can, can, can never have enough influence or reach. Uh, but boy, oh boy, is it a pleasure to work close with great people who care, who want to try and do it the right way and do the right things. And so that's more than you wanted to know about me. So I know you said you, um, took the CFO position at 28. That's really young for that big of a, yeah. I mean, that's a huge position, especially at your age. Yeah. Um, challenges? Did you have any challenges? What were your... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a little tough. I mean, I was, uh, number one, I, I, it's not a huge vote of confidence when you, my pay was, I think, $66,000 for that executive, big-time executive job. <laughs> that told me, they don't want to overpay me and lose me when this doesn't work out. They want to keep me and have me do something else because I'm probably good at you know, cleaning floors and stuff. So <laughs> definitely ordering toilet paper, right? <laughs> like, like nobody's business. Yeah. Who knew that that would become someday such a All right. important function. But, um, so, uh, it, when, when I first started the audit firm that we had, they, uh, they weren't involved in the process enough or, or had whatever their reasons were. And they resigned and they, they, they quit the, and uh, gave us notice. And when you're a public company, I had four business days to tell the public that we didn't have, we weren't going to have our audit partner. So I had to work really quick to get another one of the big four audit firms on board before they knew that I didn't have one or we would have paid a lot more money for them. <laughs> and so sure enough, they were more than eager to jump in. That was Deloitte. Deloitte came in and saved the day. I'm not going to say who left, but, um, but Deloitte came in, saved the day. And, uh, and off and off we went. So I, you know, there was adversity and almost everything I did for the first while was doing it for the first time. And, uh, the, the, the reality though is Kevin Knight is such a powerful teacher and mentor and has such a vision. And he, uh, he just, he never gave up on me still, still hasn't yet. And, uh, and I just tried to keep up and I just saw how, how that passion to just always want to get better, never, never be settled with where you are and believe in people, but do the homework and, uh, and, and do the right thing time and time again, just how powerful and fulfilling that is. And so, uh, so I was just soaking it all in and Kevin's done that with a handful of us with, I mean, he's been preparing the next generation, if you will, for, for 15 years. And, um, and that's a lot of work. I mean, and we haven't worn him out totally yet, <laughs> but uh, but that's but that's that's huge because 
you know, really, if you look at success, if you were to try and put a definition on what is success, uh, it sure seems like it's a combination of the results that you get and the development of the people that happens while you're getting those results. And so if you can be developing people, and the way you define development of people is rather broad as well, and you can get results, which means you're achieving your goals and what you set out to do, that feels like success. And And if you go too hard in one way at the expense of the other, then it's hard to call that success. And right. so, um, so acknowledging that, being part of a culture, a business that, that believes and understands that uh, at the top, which was the founders of the, of the business, um, is, uh, is really powerful. So. so I have a question for you. Maybe everyone else is thinking the same thing. You're president and CEO of the Swift and Knight, large company. How do you wake up every morning? It's got to be very rewarding. Like, do you ever just sit back and think, this is pretty cool what I do. How do you keep yourself motivated? (laughs) And then number two, how do you keep all of the employees motivated, especially during the pandemic that, you know, we're we're facing? You know, how do you keep everybody motivated? And you're very good with numbers. And every every time you give a speech or a presentation to someone, you you give everyone hope. And that's what everybody always says to me. It's like, even when I thought there was no hope, they listen to you and they feel like they can keep on keeping on. Yeah. Well, that, gosh, that's nice. I think there's plenty of reasons to be hopeful and optimistic. We are in a cyclical industry. Anybody who's been in trucking for any amount of time recognizes their seasons and their cycles. And you have to know the difference between the two, but you really, you have to always be in a constant state of preparing for the next phase, which we identify four different stages of a cycle and the pandemic brought a fifth stage that we didn't think ever would happen, and that was survive stage. Fortunately, that was a very short-lived uh, time. But, um, but I will tell you, there has not been a day in my life where I've woke up and felt like, wow, this is nice. I mean, you can't uh, – I mean, titles are just – you can't believe in the title. You can't, uh, you can't let it become your identity – Titles are just temporary. And so um, anybody who's after a title will find themselves very unfulfilled as a result. It will not be what they thought it was. And so uh, what keeps me motivated is we have tremendous people working really, really hard. And my responsibility is to make sure that we're not heading in the wrong direction. I have to somehow see around a corner that nobody can actually see. And so, like yesterday, we had a, a team, a group of people, and this group was the right group to talk, address a certain issue, and we are trying to anticipate, predict, and create the future five years from now. We've spent four hours on a rather narrow topic, but we're trying to create something that doesn't exist, and we're trying to get there collectively as a group. And so, because of that, the expectations are so high that, that uh, you're never comfortable. And, and, and we've had people say after we have a really great quarter where we beat earnings <clears throat> expectations or maybe you could even say outperform everybody in the industry because of profitability. And people, we've had people say, oh, boy, you guys must be just really, this must be an easy quarter. You're all feeling great. 
No, Adam Miller, our CFO, and he's the president of Swift. We sit there after a great quarter, and we look at each other, and we just say, how in the wide world of sports are we going to compare against this next year? Mm-hmm. And so I don't, I don't want to say we enjoy when we don't do so well. Relatively speaking, Knight Swift lead the industry in, in, every, in, in, the, in the areas that matter most, safety, uh, profitability as two good examples, return, return on investment. Um, and so uh, when we know we're going to have something that will be easier to compare to next year, that actually feels a little bit better because <laughs> we're living in the future. We're, what's happened in the past, that's old news. So, so uh, yeah, I don't mean to – I'm grateful for all the opportunity, grateful for everything, but there is absolutely no resting on laurels. In fact, I think – Apathy is the equivalent of decay. And that's something that people don't understand. If you're content or if you ever let yourself in your mind say, say I'm good enough or this is good enough, uh, you are already in a state of decay. And, and so the way the opposite of apathy would be just to have a deep down desire, maybe even a passion. That might be the right word for it of just getting better. And if you're just always trying to get better, you won't be apathetic. You won't, you won't be subject to decay. Now, like when I do my home improvement projects that are more of uh, mental therapy than anything else or more of trying to get my kids engaged in projects and, and, and building kids and people instead of <coughs> building a structure. <laughs> you know, I'm known to quote my grandfather who says, my wife doesn't appreciate this totally, but... <laughs> I'll quote my grandfather, we're building something and, you know, it's getting long and hot and just say, hey, that's good enough for the girls we date. Tell my son that. Oh, I'm sure she doesn't. <laughs> she thinks it's funny, I think. <laughs> or, or that's good enough for government work. Well, you can do that on your home improvement <laughs> projects. but You can't bring that attitude into the areas that matter most in life, for sure. So I don't mean to be preachy. I'm just, just, just a couple of humble observations. So um, there is a, a poster in your office, Jackie Robinson poster. It's um, I know you shared it with us in several meetings, but I think it's I think it's I think I think that that particular poster has great meaning, and um, we're going to show a picture of it, and okay. we'd like for you to share the meaning behind that. Why I like it. Yeah. Yeah, so it's actually, it's a framed picture in my office at home. And so with all these video calls we've been doing, uh, I, it, it's what you see. You see me, and then you see the great Jackie Robinson stealing home in a World Series with Yogi Berra, who was one of the best catchers, one of the fastest swipes, and he's, Yogi couldn't get him. And uh, I love it. It's this moment of, number one, who steals home? Especially without a helmet, <laughs> like he, and Jackie Robinson was so disruptive on the the base path. He was just so disruptive. But when I look at that that picture, I just think no fear. Mm-hmm. I think uh, just go for it. It's it, there's so much energy. There's a never say die on a multitude of issues. What Jackie Robinson with all odds against him, what he had to, to overcome racially, uh, the fact that he played baseball differently 
than other players did. It, it's there's a racial component, but that is you're not giving Jackie Robinson full credit if that's where you stop, because he was he played with his entire heart and there was no fear. And so I look at that like uh, on my other wall that you don't see when you do video calls. I've got a picture of the of a moon print from the Apollo mission. And it's just a, it's a boot print that when you look at it, you'll know where that is. You know that's the moon. And, and it's like, you know, hey, why not go for the, the biggest and the best? Why not give your very best? Why, why not reach for the stars, so to speak? Um, and, you know, life's too short not to. And so uh, there's Steve Jobs is famous for saying, you know, you're, you're never different. I'm going to botch this, but to paraphrase, that you'll, you'll never be the same after you realize this one principle, that people that have created and developed products and other things out there that you really like, that they're no smarter than you and I. And so that was kind of a principle inside the mind of the 1990s Steve Jobs, who just did not allow for self-imposed restrictions and limitations. Now, that doesn't mean you walk around and you think you're entitled to everything in the world, but it means that many of the limitations that that we find in our own life, many of the things that give us anxiety, they're self-imposed, self-created. It's true. And so, I don't know, that Jackie Robinson, maybe even the moon print, they do something for me to kind of remind me to have courage don't have fear. Move on. Let's go. Well, that Game was, on. Well, that was one of the questions. Where does he get his inspiration and motivation from? So we went ahead without even asking. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, now we know. Is there <laughs> any books that you read that you would recommend to other people? There's a lot of books I read, and, and uh, I think a lot of books are fluff, to be totally honest. So my goal is to get through a book and figure out what are the two or three key elements. I think we're all in pursuit of understanding principles that uh, that that often are come from a lot of experience and observations where it's a it's a rule it's a law that you can't control and when you figure out what those principles are and you understand okay if you want to have a desired result this is what you do and so to me a lot of books have those kind of things in them I'd say that uh, if you really want to understand business there's a there's a book called Understanding Michael Porter might sound really boring. Michael Porter is the professor, Harvard professor that talks about the five forces that affect competition. In our industry in particular, people do not understand competition. This is a business that in 1980 was deregulated, full truckload was, and it just grew, and it was all about top line. Get as much top line as you, can, as you could. Well, that, that strategy worked until 1996, and there's a lot of companies, even founders of companies, that never got the memo that this turned from a top-line business to a returns bottom-line business. And, and they still act in that old way. And, and the reason that happened is we oversupplied the market for the first time in the late 90s. And so now we go through this oversupply in good times, and then, we, and, then it, and then there's an undersupply, and then pricing comes up. It's just like wheat farmers. When prices of wheat are high, everybody plants wheat. Prices of wheat collapse, everybody abandons wheat. And that's what happens in a business that has a highly efficient market, which we do. And so people do not understand in business competition well enough. Michael Porter helps us understand the five forces. And so there's a book called Understanding Michael Porter that makes it easier to understand that than any other thing I've, that I've read. But if you're looking to get better as a person, we are all familiar with Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Stephen Covey. And there's a reason it sold 
a bazillion copies. Most people already practice a lot of those because it's scattered and everybody else has used it and talked about it. But he does have a book called The Eighth Habit that is... The Eighth eighth Habit, the the number. The Eighth Habit. You might find that that's a a fulfilling... That that helps you in your personal life a little bit. Uh, But uh, I don't know. I'm not... I don't want to be a. I don't want to recommend too many books. I already did two. That's that's, <laughs> that's too many. Two's good. So, what are some of the challenges and opportunities in our industry? Yeah, well, uh, great question. I think uh, the volatility that we see is is really a challenge. And um, what we know is that the world always slants towards efficiency. And so, whatever is most efficient uh, will will win. Will rule the day. And so uh, this is a unique time in the industry where technology, we're using technology more and more. And, you know, this is an industry that you can't fake your way through it. You can't fake your way through hauling a load. You can't fake your way through buying a truck. And so, uh, but there's all kinds of things out there where you don't have to have any tangible assets, but you can digitally represent that you're, you're all these things. And so, it can be a little bit misleading for people. So I think recognizing true efficiencies is a, is a key element. And so I think we're, as a company, we've recognized some of those breakthroughs. And, and I think other companies, you know, Night Swift isn't alone in that. I think other <coughs> companies are realizing that there's some real power in efficiencies. I'm probably not ready to share what we think are the ultimate and where the world is five years from now and ten years from now. But we have a very, very strong opinion on that uh, based on the world moving towards efficiency. I I would say that um, maybe in the more immediate term, uh, there is safety technology that exists today that can dramatically improve the overall safety of the industry. And we've, we've seen that in company instances. And there are some companies, and this is all public, you can go look at serious injury and fatal crashes per million miles and see how companies stack up. And if you go look at that, you'll understand that we speak from a position of credibility uh, and we've, we understand what it takes to do that. Um, but, uh, but drug use we, has to be completely eliminated from this industry. Um, and some have found ways to do that. And it's important and it's dramatic and it's a for the for for the many professional drivers that are doing it the right way um, we shouldn't tolerate it we shouldn't tolerate people uh, that are that that have real serious issues that there are other things they can do but 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 moving 80,000 pounds isn't one of them and uh, and then there are other technologies that can help responsiveness and response time of the vehicles Um, and uh, in fact if we just jump to the topic of autonomous trucks or supposed autonomous trucks. You know, we're, we buy, I think we buy more uh, new class eight trucks on a year in year out basis than anybody typically buy between four and 5,000 just to refresh our fleet. And so we're very in tune. In fact, we work on projects with, uh, with the various OE, the four main OEMs on their technology, electric truck, or uh, their, what they're trying to learn about autonomy um, level two autonomy is a, is a situation where you, you have a driver 
hands are have to be on the wheel and there's sensors to know. Uh, but you now have not just the ability to use accident mitigation or accident avoidance technology that we and many others use that really look at the vehicle most immediately in front of you, but now you have the ability to look at all objects about 200 yards in front of you and to the side of you, and a computer can constantly be looking and measuring the speed and the pace at which they're slowing down or changing or moving and behaving, and we can't do that. Uh, you know, we can't see that. We don't know. We can't calculate all of that as we're driving. But um, it, in essence, almost puts this safety barrier around a truck uh, that's pretty powerful. Now, the problem is for the autonomy guys who are out there trying to raise a bazillion dollars, <laughs> if you come out and say, we're a safety company and we're just going to improve safety, that doesn't get you the big valuation. That doesn't give you the Tesla valuation. So they like to come out, and uh, there's a recent company that's come out uh, that's publicly traded, and you know basically I think they lay out the fact that the trucking industry is 800 billion globally, it's four trillion, and uh, and somehow some way leave you to maybe connect the dots that well maybe maybe if we have robot trucks and no, don't have drivers, they're going to rule the world someday. And <laughs> and if you think that's the case, then there's a stock you can buy. If you don't think that's the case then maybe you sit on the sideline on that one. And so so I think that there is technology today that can save lives that I wish was more widely adopted. And I think coming soon, there is technology that will help us. And so not all autonomous truck providers are as willing, but there are some. Uh, they're not all as willing to address that issue in the near term because the reality of potentially a truck driving autonomously without a driver is, uh, you know, the number of cases where that could have application is, uh, is probably not what everybody thinks it is. Right. And we don't live in a long-haul world like we once were pre-deregulation, or even in the 80s and 90s where you had 1,000, 1,500-mile length of hauls consistently one way. Uh, <clears throat> now there's very, very few of those, and they're often tied to parcel or LTL expedited type operations. So um, before your podcast, we went out and we asked people to give us some questions. And we got several questions um, that we would like to ask you from different drivers. So the first one says, how can transportation company owners and corporate leadership do a better job using our industry's position within our economy to better lobby the federal government on matters that limit industry growth? And this is from a Michael M. Yeah, I appreciate that question. That is a, that is a uh, <coughs> great question, a uh, complicated question. Uh, you know, the nature of our, our industry is it, it's incredibly fragmented. I mean, there's last I looked, there were something like 400,000 registered companies with the DOT. Um, so most companies have less than 15 trucks in this industry, so very small. So when you look at a federal lobby, uh, we don't have a cohesive lobby. The rails, for example, it's dramatically different. So before the Trump tax cuts, we... Uh, including federal, which majority of our tax would be federal, and federal, including a little bit of state, we were about a 39.5% taxpayer just on income. That's after we've already paid FET tax, which is about 12% of the price of a new truck, and we pay fuel and mileage tax and 
2290 Federal Highway Use Tax. I could go on and on. <coughs> I'm not going to go any further, but you can get <laughs> where I would go with this. Uh, and and so uh, we're taxed to the max statutory limit possible, unfortunately. The rails, our good friends at the rails, while we were paying 39 and a half, uh, they were paying 26% tax. Now they pay even lower than that because of because of uh, the, t- the current tax cuts that are going to be going away soon, it sounds like. Um, that being said, uh, that difference is they're one of the most powerful lobbies. They've been around for, what, 150 years. Yeah. And, uh, and they're, they're consolidated. They spend a lot of money there. And so it's been, very, it's been very difficult. We, with our position as one of the largest, we're the largest full truckload carrier, um, we, we, uh, we do invest money to advance causes that we think are in the best interest. Uh, but we're just one small player. But we feel like we have a leadership role to do to to, uh, to play in that. And so it would be wonderful if we all could get on the same page. The reality is the margins in our business are not big enough that most companies can afford to set some money aside, for which is what it takes to hire smart people that can go and get the story out. So um, I would say... Uh, there are a couple of things that stand out. Uh, size and weight changes uh, can sometimes be problematic. And I think people don't understand the unintended consequences of safety, uh, both on the road and to the driver. So, you know, if they want to make longer trailers or want to do twin trailers that are longer, um, that uh, can have an adverse effect. I mean, a several thousand pound con gear to do doubles that are longer would be a serious problem for our industry. There already isn't enough space to park. <laughs> Can you imagine if size and weight is further increased? Um, our ability to stop a truck and a trailer as fast as humanly possible, well, gets even more difficult if we add more weight. And so um, those are issues that I think we have to, if there are some trying to exploit and get more out of us and that work against those very important principles, I think that's when we have to rally together. Um, but, uh, I don't have a, I don't, there is no silver bullet to how you, how you do that in the short term. And he's already talked about the second question here comes from Max. Uh, he was asking, could you speak to the future of self-driving cars and their impact on what it will do to truck drivers? That's hard to say. I mean, the technology is, it, the technology is impressive because it just has the ability to constantly, be measuring what is all going on around one another. Uh, I suppose that if the day came where enough vehicles had that kind of technology and we had technology that could see, uh, it's possible that we could, it would lead to safety for all of us. Uh, I, I would say that uh, when, when you have vehicles that can see our truck and know our speed, uh, beyond just an individual's ability to pay attention, that probably helps us in the long term. Now, again, I don't, I don't know how many of these trucks are going to be driver. How many of these cars will be driverless, where the, right. it's just driving itself? But this driver assist, I think that there's a there's a case for that. But we, it almost feels like we have to let all the hype wear itself out a little bit. Like you remember the early days of the internet, Yahoo, the market cap of Yahoo, the company. In 2000, I remember looking at it, and in order to justify the valuation, they would have had to have na- uh, annual sales more than all U.S. retail sales, which is impossible, right? And so sometimes we we just 
there's this there's this fantasy land that once it settles down, guess what? You end up with a pretty good search engine that can be used in a whole bunch of ways. I kind of think a lot of that happens with the safety benefits that can come once we get over the fact that that you know what? It's okay to have human beings in cars and in trucks. Right. I hate the fact that we even refer to human beings like like <laughs> that's not an obvious. <laughs> but anyway. All right. So Dave, do you have any final thoughts? From yourself to the drivers? I will just say you will not find a harder working, more patriotic group of individuals than professional truck drivers. What what a pleasure, what an opportunity, <clears throat> what a privilege it is to in a small way for trucking companies to try and support unbelievable individuals who are willing to go work hard do it the right way t- with little recognition, you know, to, to move to move the economy along literally and do so safely with people completely oblivious to the fact that there wouldn't be food, there wouldn't be clothes, there wouldn't be the comforts of life, and there wouldn't be the safety as we all share the roads if it weren't for this hardworking, unbelievable group of individuals. And uh, I'm just so grateful. I'm so grateful for everybody, everybody who chooses to drive. And I, and, and I say that without prejudice towards those that drive for the company I'm affiliated with, but any and every professional driver that is out there, that's worked hard, that's, that has made a decision somewhere earlier on in their life where they said, I'm going to go and I'm going to invest time, effort, and money into learning a new trait because you don't wake up able to back. <laughs> and, and I am going to do, I'm going to, this isn't a job you can just fake your way through it. You won't last long. So those drivers that are out there that we rely on as an economy, they are, they're just golden, just golden. And so uh, my message to them would be thank you. Thank you for what you've done, what you do, and what you're willing to do in the future. Well, I'm sure they appreciate the shout out. Yeah, for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. I do. Well, thank you, Dave. We appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to hang out with us. <laughs> yes. Thanks for tolerating us. <laughs> Great to be with you guys. Appreciate the work you do. Thank you. And thank you guys for watching and listening to us. And where, let's see if we can get this right. So we always manage to, to mess this up, but we're going to try it again. So you ready? I'm going to start it out. Oh, you want me to? Okay, I'm ready. Yeah, we always trip up. So you can subscribe to us on YouTube. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can stream Beyond the Rig wherever you listen to podcasts. Woohoo, we got it right. <laughs> we enjoyed bringing this show to you, and we hope you had fun along the way too. We're going 1010 for now, but you can catch us on the side on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Beyond the Rig and Drive Night. Until next time, be safe out there and keep trucking.